getting concrete. Every time I have a concept, it is something that I could apply to a number of individuals. We are not talking about a concrete particular name like Mary or John, which doesn't have a conceptual meaning. A concept applies to any number of individuals, countless individuals. Concepts are universal. For instance, the word leaf could be applied to every single leaf on a tree. The same word applies to all those individual leaves. Moreover, the same word applies to all the leaves on all trees, big ones, small ones, tender ones, dried ones, yellow ones, green ones, banana leaves. So if I say to you that I saw a leaf this morning, you really don't have an idea of what I saw. Let's see if you can understand that. You do have an idea of what I did not see. I did not see an animal. I did not see a dog. I did not see a human being. I did not see a shoe. So you have some kind of a vague idea of what I saw. But it isn't particularized. It isn't concrete. Human being refers not to primitive man, not to a civilized man, not to a grown-up man, not to a child, not to a male or a female, not to this particular age or another, not to this culture or the other, but to the concept. The human being is found concrete. You never find a universal human being like your concept. So your concept points, but it is never really entirely accurate. It misses uniqueness, concreteness. The concept is universal. When I give you a concept, I give you something. And yet, how little I have given you. The concept is so valuable, so useful for science. For instance, if I say that everyone here is an animal, that would be perfectly accurate from a scientific viewpoint. But we are something more than animals. If I say that Mary Jane is an animal, that's true. But because I have omitted something essential about her, it's false. It does her an injustice. When I call a person a woman, that's true. But there are lots of things in that person that don't fit into the concept woman. She's always this particular, concrete, unique woman who can only be experienced, not conceptualized. The concrete person I have got to see for, I've got to see for myself, to experience for myself, to intuit for myself. The individual can be intuited but cannot be conceptualized. A person is beyond the thinking mind. Many of you probably be proud to be called Americans, as many Indians would probably be proud to be called Indians. But what is American? What is Indian? It's a convention. It's not part of your nature. All you've got is a label. You really don't know the person. The concept always misses or omits something extremely important, something precious that is only found in reality, which is con concrete uniqueness. The great Krishnamurti put it so well when he said, the day you teach the child the name of the bird, the child will never see that bird again. How true! The first time the child sees that fluffy, alive, moving object and you say to him, Sparrow, 
then tomorrow when he when the child sees another fluffy moving similar object to it he says oh sparrows i have seen sparrows i'm bored by sparrows if you don't look at things through your concepts you'll never be bored every single thing is unique every sparrow is unlike every other sparrow despite the similarities it's a great help to have similarities so we can abstract so that we can have a concept it's a great help from the point of view of communication education science but it's also very misleading and a great hindrance to seeing this concrete individual if all you experience is your concept you are not experiencing reality because reality is concrete the concept is a help to lead you to reality but when you get there you've got to intuit or experience it directly a second quality of a concept is that it is static whereas reality is in flux we use the name for niagara falls but that body of water is constantly changing you've got the word river but the water there is constantly flowing you've got the word for your body but the cells in your body are constantly being renewed Let's suppose for example there is an enormous wind outside and I want the people in my country to get an idea of what an american gale or hurricane is like so I capture it in a cigar box and I go back home and say look at this naturally it isn't a gale anymore is it once it's captured or if I have or if I want you to get the feel of what the flow of a river is like and i bring it to you in a bucket the moment i put it into a bucket it has stopped flowing the moment you put things into a concept they stop flowing they become static dead a frozen wave is not a wave a wave is essentially movement action when you freeze it it is not a wave concepts are always frozen reality flows Finally, if we are to believe the mystics, and it doesn't take too much of an effort to understand this or even believe it, but no one can see it at once. Reality is whole, but words and concepts fragment reality. That is why it is so difficult to translate them from one language to another, because each language cuts reality up differently. The English word home is impossible to translate into french or spanish casa is not quite home home has associations that are peculiar to the english language every language has untranslatable words and expressions because we are cutting reality up and adding something or subtracting something and usage keeps changing reality is a whole and we cut it up to make concepts and we use words to indicate different parts if you had never seen an animal in your life for example and one day you found a tail just a tail and somebody told you that's a tail would you have any idea of what it was if you had no idea what an animal was ideas actually fragment the vision intuition or experience of reality as a whole This is what the mystics are perpetually telling us. Words cannot give you reality. They only point, they only indicate. 
you use them as pointers to get to reality but once you get there your concepts are useless a hindu priest once had a dispute with a philosopher who claimed that the final barrier to god was the word god the concept of god the priest was quite shocked by this but the philosopher said the ass that you mount and that you use to travel to a house is not the means by which you enter the house you use the concept to get there then you dismount you go beyond it you don't need to be a mystic to understand that reality is something that cannot be captured by words or concepts to know reality you have to know beyond knowing do those words ring a bell those of you who are familiar with the cloud of unknowing would recognize the expression poets painters mystics and the great philosophers all have intimations of its of its truth let's suppose that one day i'm watching a tree until now every time i saw a tree i said well it's a tree but today when i'm looking at the tree i don't see a tree at least i don't see what i'm accustomed to seeing i see something with the freshness of a child's vision i have no word for it i see something unique whole flowing not fragmented and i am in awe if you were to ask me what did you see what do you think i'd answer i have no word for it there is no word for reality because as soon as i put a word to it we are back into concepts again and if i cannot express this reality that is visible to my senses how does one express what cannot be seen by the eye or heard by the ear how does one find a word for the reality of god are you beginning to understand what thomas aquinas augustine and all the rest were saying and what the church teaches constantly when she says that god is mystery is unintelligible to the human mind the great karl rana in one of his last letters wrote to a young german drug addict who had asked him for help the addict had said you theologians talk about god but how could this god be relevant in my life how could this god get me off drugs rana said to him i must confess to you in all honesty that for me god is and has always been absolute mystery i do not understand what god is no one can we have intimations inklings we make faltering inadequate attempts to put mystery into words but there is no word for it no sentence for it in talking to a group of theologians in london rana said the great the task of the theologian is to explain everything through god and to explain god as unexplainable unexplainable mystery one does not know one cannot say one says ah huh words are pointers they are not descriptions tragically people fall into idolatry because they think that where god is concerned the word is the thing how could you get so crazy can you be crazier than that even where human beings are concerned or trees and leaves and animals the word is not the thing and you would say that where god is concerned concerned the word is one thing what are you talking about 
an internationally famous scripture scholar, attended this course in San Francisco, and he said to me, "My God, after listening to you, I understand that I have been an idol worshipper all my life." He said this openly. It never struck me that I had been an idol worshipper. My idol was not made of wood or metal. It was a mental idol. These are the most more dangerous idol worshippers. They use a very subtle substance, the mind, to produce their god. What I'm leading you to is the following: awareness of reality around you. Awareness means to watch, to observe what is going on within you and around you. Going on is pretty accurate. Trees, grass, flowers, animals, rock, all of reality is moving. One observes it, one watches it. How essential it is for the human mind, for the human being, not to just observe himself or herself, but to watch all of reality. Are you imprisoned by your concepts? Do you want to break out of your prison? Then look, observe, spend hours observing, watching what? anything the faces of people the shapes of trees a bird in flight a pile of stones watch the grass grow get in touch with things look at them hopefully you will then break out of these rigid patterns we have all developed out of what our thoughts and our words have imposed on us hopefully we will see what will we see this thing that we choose to call reality whatever is beyond words and concepts this is a spiritual exercise connected with spirituality connected with breaking out of your cage out of the imprisonment of the concepts and words how sad if we pass through life and never see it with the eyes of a child this doesn't mean you should drop your concepts totally they are very precious though we begin without them concepts have a very positive function thanks to them we develop our intelligence we are invited not to become children but to become like children we do have to fall from a stage of innocence and be thrown out of paradise we do have to develop an i and a me through these concepts but then we need to return to paradise we need to be redeemed again we need to put off the old man the old nature the conditioned self and return to the state of the child but without being a child when we start off in life we look at reality with wonder but it isn't the intelligent wonder of the mystics it's the formless wonder of the child then wonder dies and is replaced by boredom as we develop languages and words and concepts then hopefully if we are lucky we'll return to wonder again at a loss for words dag hammarsold the former un secretary general put it so beautifully god does not die on the day we cease to believe in a personal deity but we die on the day when our lives cease to be illumined by the steady radiance of wonder renewed daily the source of which is beyond all reason we don't have to quarrel about a word 
because God is only a word, a concept. One never quarrels about reality. We only quarrel about opinions, about concepts, about judgments. Drop your concepts, drop your opinions, drop your prejudices, drop your judgments and you will see that. Since we cannot know what God is, but only what God is not, we cannot consider how God is, but only how He is not. I have already mentioned Thomas's commentary on Boethus de Sancta Trinitate, where he says that the loftiest degree of the knowledge of God is to know God as the unknown, tamquam ignotum, and in his Questio Disputata de Potentia Dei, Thomas says, this is what is ultimate in the human knowledge of God, to know what we do not know God. This gentleman was considered the prince of theologians. He was a mystic and is a canonized saint today. We are standing on a pretty good ground. In India, we have a Sanskrit saying for this kind of a thing, neti neti. It means not that, not that. Thomas's own method was referred to as the via negativa, the negative way. C.S. Lewis wrote a diary while his wife was dying. It's called a grief observed. He had married an American woman whom he loved dearly. He told his friends, God gave me in my 60s what he denied me in my 20s. He hardly had married her when she died a painful death of cancer. Louis said that his whole faith crumbled like a house of cards, where he was the great Christian apologist. But when disaster struck home, he asked himself, is God a loving father or is God the great vivisectionist? There's pretty good evidence for both. I remember that when my own mother got cancer, my sister said to me, Tony, why did God allow this to happen to mother? I said to her, my dear, Last year, a million people died of starvation in China because of the drought, and you never raised a question. Sometimes, the best thing that can happen to us is to be awakened to reality, for calamity to strike, for then we come to faith, as C.S. Lewis did. He said that he never had any doubts before about people surviving death, but when his wife died, he was no longer certain. Why? because it was so important to him that she be living. Louis, as you know, is the master of comparisons and analogies. He says, it's like a rope. Someone says to you, would, you, would this bear the weight of 120 pounds? You answer yes. Well, we're going to let down your best friend on this rope. Then you say, wait a minute, let me test that rope again. You're not so sure now. Louis also said in his diary that we cannot know anything about God and even our questions about God are absurd. Why? It's, a it's, a it's, a it's as though a person born blind asks you, the, the color green, is it hot or cold? Neti, neti, not that. Is it long or is it short? Not that. Is it sweet or is it sour? Not that. Is it round or oval or square? Not that, not that. The blind person has no words, no concepts, for a color of which he has no idea, no intuition, no experience. You can only speak to him in analogies.
no matter what he asks you can only say not that cs lewis says somewhere that it's like asking how many minutes are in a in the color yellow everybody could be taking the question very seriously discussing it fighting about it one person suggests there are 25 carrots in the color yellow the other person says no 17 potatoes and they are suddenly fighting not that not that this is what is ultimate in our human knowledge of god to know that we do not know our great tragedy is that we know too much we think we know that is our tragedy so we never discover in fact thomas aquinas he's not only a theologian but also a great philosopher says repeatedly all the efforts of the human mind cannot exhaust the essence of a single fly